Hi everyone, it's Joaki Makren, your host of the Elite Game Developers Podcast. A podcast about the entrepreneurs and investors who are building the games companies of the future. In this episode, we're going to listen to a recording from a webinar that we here at Elite Game Developers organized in May of 2020. The topic was working from home for game teams. We had Sophie Wu, the game lead from Voodoo, on the webinar. And both me and Sophie did a presentation on the learnings of working from home, how remote-first companies will be operating in the future, and what working from home has been like for gaming startups who are building teams who are working on creative endeavors. But first, a few words from our sponsor. We all know that developing a great game is one thing, but developing a great game's business can be something else entirely. That's why some of the top game developers in the industry use IronSource's Game Growth platform, which takes care of both sides of the business, helping you monetize and to fuel your user acquisition. I for one wish we were using these guys in the early days of Next Games. You might also have heard of their Level Up podcast and a Medium blog. In terms of gaming content, this blog is up there with the best, featuring game industry experts talking all things game design, development and growth. See for yourself by searching for Iron Source Level Up on Medium or Spotify. Hey everybody, this is me, Joachim here. Uh, I have Sophie here. Uh, I'm going to unmute Sophie now so you can see her. This is the first time I'm doing a, a webinar with two people, so bear with us. <laughs> yeah, hi, everyone. Hi, Sophie. Okay, so yeah, I have my screen. Yes, it works. So do you want to go first or should I go first? What was your take there? Um, uh, maybe if you want, you can go first, Joachim, as, uh, and then we can jump on the Q&A after that. Yes, let's do that. Uh, so probably, yeah, I'll stop sharing right now. Yeah, I'll, I'll take over. All right, yeah, quick introduction. So like we, a month ago, me and Sophie decided we should talk about work from home for, for games company people. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of people who are uh, working now from home as everybody notices. Uh, so it's in a sense, the, the topic couldn't be more relevant. And I think it's not gonna be ending anytime soon that everybody would go back to office life. And it's probably a lot of permanent changes. So we're gonna keep it that way for sure. There's a quick, question here in the chat so please just start sending questions in uh, you can do that into a Q&A here in in zoom so there's like participants automatically muted yes that's how we're doing this so uh, rather than uh, making this as like a regular like zoom call we wanted to do it this way that we're going to be talking with Sophie and then everybody can ask questions in the Q&A section here inside Zoom. I'm, I'm going to really like focus on the startup phase of a company, like when you have uh, less than 30 people or, or even 
20 people like what is what are the important things that you should think about there that are now happening so a quick introduction myself for everybody who who doesn't recognize me i'm joachim akra and uh, the founder and ceo of elite game developers which is a basically a game startup school which teaches people about the business side uh, focusing a lot on the games as a service model um, how you can scale that first of all into a phase where you can pay salaries which is already a big achievement for for a lot of small companies and then going from there what happens after that so that always should be the first aim with the games companies so there's a lot of topic things that I discuss on the elitegamedevelopers.com. If you go there and check it out, I have a blog, uh, a podcast, and a book that came out recently called The uh, Long Term Game. So my background in gaming, I, I founded my first company in 2005 called Iron Star Helsinki, which did uh, these kind of virtual worlds for Nokia phones back in the day when it definitely wasn't the obvious place for virtual worlds to be happening but it was a interesting time to see if we could pull it off the devices just weren't get becoming available at the pace that it would make sense now it would make total sense uh, to have something like that uh, if there wouldn't be a lot of competition of course in the market but we eventually pivoted to facebook games got to a profitable stage with the company but ended up eventually closing down the company as we didn't really know how to grow the organ the user base outside of organics uh, so when facebook started stopping viral growth through the news feed for games then we our game basically went down and and we closed the company i went to supercell they were founding the company at that stage and i was they were doing the gunshine game uh, i was there on the analytics team for about a year then when Things got really big in mobile. Clash of Clans came out. The numbers were great. I decided that I want to build another company and left to start Next Games uh, in 2000, late 2012. Got the company running uh, mid-2013. Built a few Walking Dead games. I left last year to start Elite Game Developers. I felt that like it's the time for me to kind of like go into, into the realm of helping other founders because I've been doing it for so long. I wanted to step outside of the, the company building stage to actually start giving things to people and building a business around helping entrepreneurs. Uh, so I've been working from home for the last year already since I left in March 2019. And I was really fanatical yet last year about reaching out to companies who are also working from home because I noticed that I was feeling so happy because I could, you know, enjoy uh, a working environment where I could set all the rules and have uh, all, all also like the possibility of not commuting and doing these kind of like annoyances that were were in the world of office work. But like today, I want to focus in my spe specific talk here on three different items that are really important for work from home, sort of areas that I've discovered. And uh, the first one that I want to talk about is a, a guy called Heaton Shaw, who's uh, the founder of Kissmetrics back in the day, which is a big analytics thing in 2010. I remember I was at Rovio. We were looking at it for a while. I was doing a Rovio gig actually before Supercell when I left Ironstar. And 
it looked really interesting and the, and this guy is really somebody who thinks a lot of forward thinking and he's recently said that he's been uh, working from home for 17 years so he never had a startup that actually had an office so and and last year they released this uh, remote work report uh, which you can find on his Twitter profile it's it's really like goes into a lot of details with the tips, everything. And all of these are relevant now more than ever. So his current company, uh, FYI, which is a, like a, a search tool for documents, they were, they were outlining what are the nine ways to be successful in work from home for, for their company. And the, the first point that they brought up was that you need to acknowledge the difference between a coronavirus work from home and a non-coronavirus work from home. Like you have people who have kids at home, you have people who also suddenly need to work in a small apartment uh, together with their spouse or their partner who is also working there. Maybe they're sharing the Wi-Fi, weird things are going on. So it's, it's not the usual like where you can really like go to a cafe to work for half a, half a day if you want. That's out of the question at the moment. So there are differences going on. And then having a meeting etiquette that you can, you can set up in the company, how people want to work, how, how required is a video feed when you're having a call, call, especially when it's like two people talking or like, you know, one-on-one -on -one call. Do you specifically need video? Maybe not. Um, and also like feeling comfortable at home. Where do you work? Does it really need to be an ergonomic setup or can you just work in bed? That's what I usually do is that I'm working in the bedroom. I use the bed for my office. It's so, so convenient and nice and feels comfortable. Uh, then, then what you want to look at is how you build documentation and communication to support this kind of more asynchronous fashion of working but then also facilitating these synchronous moments where you're doing design work, for instance, like two people doing stuff in Google Docs, which is a good place for synchronous work because you can see where the other person's cursor is moving around in a document. And then, then creating more boundaries between work and life that there is, that you're not kind of like working until the evening and then you're like super exhausted, but rather that, in your startup, you could have these kind of points that, hey, today at four o'clock, we're going to start, you know, everybody meet up in, in an MMO, maybe, you know, Animal Crossing, everybody goes there today, tomorrow, we're going to do Minecraft. So that there's also this kind of mingling outside of the work, which just can't happen now. You can't really do physical happy hours or anything like that. And also the post-mortems come more important because you want to have a process in place that, that everything that you're doing is kind of constantly being iterated. There's more of a loop where you can make everything better, especially now that you can't really like casually walk up to somebody and talk about like some kind of uh, learnings from a certain project, like how did that go? But like having a process for post-mortem is now very important. Uh, building in accountability, like having people commit to do stuff in a certain time box or a time frame becomes even more important and defining all the responsibilities. This is again, one of those things that 
uh, these kind of loose responsibilities that were like easy uh, to kind of like go and live through in, in an office work where it was more loose on who's doing what. Now that's kind of like off the table because there's so many balls that can be dropped if, if it just wasn't like discussed, communicated, and you know things can start suddenly slowing down a lot more. And then final point that they brought up is, is health. Like they, they actually say that burnout is much more easier when you're working at home because there is no real limitation of, you know, you're at the office versus at home because you're constantly at home. It's a crazy situation in a sense if you don't create more boundaries and, and also having these, these moments of where you take a break, you go outside and walk, and you constantly have good food, good drinks available. So sort of like facilitating that at home is super important. Second point I wanted to talk today, this is actually a picture from 2013 when Next Games was in one room in downtown Helsinki. Uh, the, the, the moment there is that like if you're at this situation now, you can pick if you want to do a fully remote company that never has an office. It's totally doable. Just uh, start, you know, understanding all of these ways that certain companies like Heaton's company here, FYI, doesn't have an office, never had an office. What are the learnings that you can incorporate? So I'll share a bit more here from CEOs that have been doing interesting things. There's this company called Loom, which I've been using for some of my uh, lecture videos where you, you basically create a presentation video clip where the person who is presenting is also in this, this kind of like bubble in the screen. So the CEO there writes uh, a Notion wiki page uh, for like a weekly CEO update where there's like, hey, we had a board meeting last week. This is what were the important things that came up. Uh, this is what is important for this week. What kind of behavior changes are we going after? Things like that. Uh, so this is for remote work. Then you have this kind of easy hierarchical wiki environment where you can look up what is being talked about rather than an email, which is very static. This is very cool, dynamic, more modern way to, to share commu and, sh and communicate. And especially like the... Uh, Automatic, which is the company behind WordPress, their CEO says that, uh, that I will communicate as much as possible because it's the oxygen of a distributed company. WordPress actually never has had an office, so they built the company like from 20 years ago already as a, as a remote company. And then having a 24-7 a Zoom room, which is basically the water cooler place that you can jump into and have a chat like this should be allowed. It's like the accountability and the responsibility that you put on top of people now should still allow for the space there to have this kind of like mingling and casual discussions happening on somewhere. And then paired work. This, this came up in a, in a study that I was looking at recently where uh, the companies that have instituted paired working now were 30% more likely to view working from home positively in the long run, that you know, you're working on stuff together in a synchronous fashion because everything is so asynchronous now. Uh, so if you can facilitate something where two people are really like 
jamming together, it can really show positive results. And then uh, Basecamp, uh, which has always been a big inspiration for me as uh, ways of how to build businesses. So they actually published a book called Remote. I think it was 2015, like years ago, on like how they thought about this. And they have a podcast called Rework, where, where they talk about like how to do design work when you're remotely, like two people using a whiteboard application and then being on the call at the same time discussing things and having a back and forth. There's, there's a lot of things to learn from there. And then the third and final point for me, what, what do I think is the future going to look like? So I, was, I, was, I wanted to kind of like have the, the eighth ball, the kind of like the, the crystal ball to, to see what's going to be happening. And I bumped into this uh, remote first capital, which is a, it's a venture capital firm that uh, backs remote founders. And they, these, the people who are running this venture capital firm are also these digital nomads who live all over the world. And they were like pointing out that here's their few interesting things that, you know, people will want to focus more on asynchronous work. So having a, a Slack alternative, uh, which focuses mostly on asynchronous discussions, which could be in the form of a more of a forum, some kind of like pull requests, uh, Google Docs, but then also allowing the synchronous chatting where it's useful in certain places. And there's a, there's a company that they have backed in their portfolio called threads.com. You can check that out. And then for loneliness and mental health, how, because like you're working from home, it's very lonely. Uh, I, I bumped into a lot of like horror stories now where there's like game developers in, in a foreign country, in a city. They just moved there before the coronavirus started and they're, they're you know, lonely in their apartments. They don't know anybody besides the, the people that work with them. So there's, there's a lot of tools in place coming up like Cody.com, which is an interesting application where you can see people in your neighborhood who are also working remotely so you can build a community around people who sort of like work remotely maybe when when social distancing isn't that bad anymore that you can actually like meet up with these people and then global payroll this was a, a common problem especially at next games we had people who we ha wanted to hire who didn't want to move to finland uh, and it's super tricky to pay like an employment, uh, like all the fees when you have the person in another European Union country, for instance. So remote.com is trying to fix this payroll fragmentation. And then like they, they, they're looking for a Starbucks competitor for remote workers where there could be a, a cafe chain more focused on remote workers who want to casually hang out at a third space which isn't their primary workplace, more of like a quiet, hidden, uh, focused, maybe a small member's fee there. And then final words from me, I think this is like, I would say more and more companies won't want to go back to the office. There's like Zynga's uh, chief operating officer was hinting that they could do remote forever. Uh, so Twitter just recently, a few days ago, announced that all their employees will have uh, the possibility to work from home forever. So they're not going to change things anymore back to office. 
So this was what I wanted to say. Uh, I'll give it to Sophie now and we can do the Q&A after both of us have been talking. Yep, thanks. Uh, Joachim, I'm not sure if I can start the video. Uh, just I wanted to let you know that. So yeah. Oh, <laughs> no worries. All that time. <laughs> no worries. I, we can hear you perfectly. So we're going to live with that today. <laughs> okay, okay. So hearing but not the video, right? Yeah. All right, so then let me see uh, how to okay, share the screen again. All right, so you see it, right? Yes. Yes, perfect. Uh, so hi, everyone. Um, so um, yeah, I hope some of you see how, how I look like. I wish, but uh, uh, really happy to be part of that um, webinar today. And I wanted to change a bit the topic as instead of work from home, uh, because what, this is what uh, we do as a team, and I guess for a lot of other game developers, uh, we develop and play from home. And I wanted to change a bit like here as a start, uh, what I will share about our work or dev and play from home. So about uh, myself, um, I've been working over a decade in the mobile uh, gaming, and I've worked in the past for companies like uh, Gameloft, Wooga, uh, and Rovio. So I lived also a few years in Finland, uh, which I miss, especially these days. Uh, I really miss the nature. And uh, moved back to Berlin for a new job and opportunity. And oh, let me see, I worked. Um, and in my uh, focus over the past years, and uh, maybe why I care so much about the topic today, um, beyond developing games, it's been uh, a lot of focus on teams and building creative teams um, because it's a, it's a mystery still, I would say, until these days, how do you create things, original innovations? So that has been my focus. And um, yeah, in that context, I joined Vodou um, middle of last year to build a new studio in Berlin. And uh, that's what also what I will share a bit more in details today. So um, at the beginning of the year, I wrote an article on uh, the constructor of fun. Um, and uh, that's why I wanted also to give a reference here about my whole process of how I hired and built uh, that team, my dream team. And um, I started the process, I would say September last year, and I would say it took me a good six months to hire properly that team to even gain clarity and vision on how I wanted to build the team, spending time on my why, or why as a studio. And uh, in March, finally, I had uh, the whole core team uh, who joined. So this was the photo we took uh, when everybody joined early March. And uh, yeah, a very diversified team as well. We are, I think, eight nationalities, if I'm correct. And um, yeah, uh, some of us knew each other. So I, for example, Marco, we worked together at uh, Wuga in the past, you know, Fritz and Nick. So some of us knew each other before we started and some were new. So there was a 50-50 of um, known and new. But that was the context when we started early March. And uh, then that happened. <laughs> so um, uh, during March, uh, it was announced. And uh, because also as a company, we wanted to be behind um, 
what was happening in the world. Uh, we made it official very fast as well that we should stay and work from home. So that happened a week after the whole new team joined. And uh, yeah, for me, you can imagine it was a bit of a bummer because I was super excited to finally have my team and start to work on things. And uh, yeah, the plan has been hijacked um, because uh, the situation with the coronavirus happened. And I wanted to share here about uh, what was the situation as well for me, uh, because I, of course I had uh, plans, I had ideas of what I wanted to do when the team would join. And that was a short list of what I had in mind. So spending the March, April onboarding the team. Uh, we are a new studio, so we had to explore a new direction for the studio, what we would be capable of doing as a team. Uh, do some uh, R&D as well uh, to explore, create. And on top of that, of course, um, as a new studio, we have goals as well. And one of them, which I thought was realistic at that time, uh, knowing the team would join in March to start to test games out on the market. So end of uh, March. And uh, yeah, I had also great uh, ideas, plans of doing super offsites going on a road trip uh, in the Baltic Sea and all these exciting things. And when uh, COVID happened, that's uh, what I had to uh, make as a plan. So adjust around that and let go a lot of things that I wanted to have and organize and uh, go back to the basics. So my priority were really onboarding the team and uh, at the same time trying to see and explore the direction for the studio. So what can we do? What should we do? Um, what do we want to do? And on top of that, I added an other priority that was my main in the end, was keeping the team together, the new team together. So uh, why was I focusing mostly on that? Um, that's a, a visual I wanted to share about what is my view about teams and game development. It's a, it's a very long game. As you ask him, it's an infinite game. And um, I don't want to look in short term about what we can do in the next month, six months or a year. But uh, game development is hard, long and unpredictable sometimes. And my goal is to keep the team throughout the whole journey. That can be very long. And uh, yeah, when that doesn't happen, unfortunately, there's no team and then there's no game development. So that was my priority to keep the team together. So with these goals of onboarding and forming the team, exploring the direction for the studio, and at last, if we can test a game on the market, that was the order of priority. And the way I thought about it uh, was, and it's also a principle I have for my own life, um, even in the hardest situation, uh, of course, COVID is really uh, difficult times for everybody. Working from home is difficult, plus the logistics and so on. So I didn't want to make it even more serious and uh, heavy as it was already. And one solution I have always for the situation is to play. Uh, how can I turn that situation we have, uh, the goals uh, we have as a situation of play? And what we did as a team then, we uh, are nine, um, we thought, okay, how can we learn about each other and at the same time explore new games and at the same time try to meet the goal of 
testing a game on the market. So uh, we approach the whole exercise in a very playful way with not so much pressure of, okay, we have to deliver, but really being open about it and giving it a try given the circumstances. So we divided into uh, three squads and uh, we explored a very different direction as well. And uh, each of these teams, then we developed ideas and we tested things. And that was very fun. Uh, and we did our best uh, without yeah, putting so much pressure on the result, but really learning. And um, I wanted to share the result of that uh, experiment. Uh, that was also one, I would say, during uh, the coronavirus and remote work. Uh, we managed to push two games to market test. So that was uh, more than actually I, I expected because I was uh, already accepting that we would not test any. Uh, so that was really good for, for the result it was. Uh, but more importantly, we learned about our great capa capabilities as a studio. So we learned more what we were capable of doing and developing the potential also of a different people in the team. But we also learned about our limits. So learning pretty fast but uh, what we couldn't do. And uh, what uh, was helping for the studio and for me, for the vision in general, uh, it helped me to crystallize the vision of the studio, to know more about the people we have in the team, uh, where are the drives and where are the capabilities. And um, very importantly as well, we had to define a process and workflow to work better uh, especially with the remote. So that helped us in the very short time to define a process and workflow. And uh, I'll share some example of how we did that. And last, um, that was my main goal, we became a team. So we worked together on things, we developed games, we tested, we made mistakes, and that is the best way to form a team, in my opinion. That was the best training. And what we uh, used during that time, uh, so we used a lot of, uh, um, we worked on weekly cycles. So we had a check-in moment at the beginning of the week. So planning for the week and check-out moment. And uh, the way we were checking out for the week uh, is uh, we, we have a demo session where everybody presents, showcase what they've been doing, what they are proud of during the week. And we have a ritual uh, that we do digitally. And so that is a, uh, one example of ritual we have had, and it's called the uh, Fun Ritual. That's the software we're using, and uh, super playful. Uh, you can vote uh, about actionables. Uh, it's anonymous, so very playful and digital. And that's what we did consistently every week for two months to improve our process and workflow, and that went very smoothly for us. Another thing we did is a weekly pulse survey, and that's something that uh, Vodou actually organized at a uh, wide level, and that was very nice. So uh, myself as a lead, I could uh, check the pulse of the team uh, every week and see uh, the mood in general. So behind these questions were questions like, how, what is the level of stress you feel? Uh, do you feel obliged to work and so on? So to see how people felt and it was anonymous. And I was keeping these results uh, also as an observation on my end to just uh, see if some people in the team were maybe not feeling that well or pressure and so on. And in some cases, there were a few individuals that were feeling more pressure in the week or not being able to organize the week and that I could uh, investigate more in one-on-one -on -one to help uh, individuals in the team. 
And the last, uh, something that was very helpful at the end, um, because we, uh, it's very tempting during remote time to uh, want to control and uh, see what, who's doing what. And that happens when there's a lack of clarity of roles and responsibility. So we did a pretty long uh, session of RASI, so to define the uh, responsibility, accountability, uh, consultancy, or uh, inform, informed level of uh, each uh, individuals in the team and for different topics. So we went through all the things that have to be looked into development. I don't know, like uh, art direction, uh, player testing, uh, QA or uh, architecture decision and uh, distribute and uh, organize the roles and responsibility. And since then, we don't have much to think all the time uh, during the week because we have that uh, document and tool to know who's doing what and who should be informed or consulted on which decisions. So it becomes much more um, yeah, flat and lean inside the team. And I'm happy to share the practices we have had in the Q&A, but that were the main ones that I thought would be valuable to share. And the reason now we are in May, and this is our second month in lockdown, uh, to see if there will be more. Uh, that's our situation. So after all these tests, um, we decided to commit to run one single project. Uh, that was the result of the test we ran, and that's the one uh, we found uh, not only the most excited about, but the one that we felt we were capable of delivering and executing in, uh, in the next month. So that was an important thing as well. But now we are working all together as a team and it's, uh, it's been really nice after that uh, independent work in squads uh, over the past month. Um, however, even if we're happy with the results, um, we, uh, we are emotionally impacted by the lockdown and it's something to acknowledge and uh, nothing can fix it. Uh, I mean, we can have good work, we can have good results. We are humans at the end of the day and we have our own uh, challenges. And that's something that we are discussing with the team, but that's also the reality for some of us. And uh, situation in Berlin, so it's lifting also the restriction a bit uh, in Berlin since um, this week, it was this week. So some of us are returning slowly to the office, uh, of course, keeping um, um, certain distance and uh, respecting the regulations. But that is a bit of a relief for some of us that needed to see uh, friendly faces in a workplace. Uh, um, and that's uh, also what we are looking at at the moment. How are we returning to work and how will we return to work when it's not an obligation or uh, a safety measure to stay at home? And that I'm happy to share also in the Q&A. But that's it more for my um, part talking and usually what I do at the end of a short presentation, I share the uh, books uh, or audio books I'm, I'm reading or listening. And so I wanted to share the ones that have inspired me during these days. Um, so if some of, uh, of them are inspiring for you too. And um, we can move to the Q&A then. Thank you. Thanks, Sophie. I think you can now turn on your video. I've, I found a switch. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, let me see if I, I have to stop sharing first, I think. Um, Might be, yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. Let me see. Uh, okay. Okay. Hey. <laughs>
we can see you. Yeah. So hey, everybody. So now you can see me. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Hey. Uh, thanks so much. I think like I can I can look up the questions here in the chat and in the Q and A. Um, so here's the the first question here. Joachim, could you tell a bit more about remote.com? Do you have any experience? No, I haven't actually. Uh, I've, I've only browsed their website and looked them up as I was researching for the future of remote work. So no, you, you can do your own research. <laughs> uh, Sophie, what is, uh, what is the best advice to keep the team in a good mood working remotely during the development of a game? So um, I would say there are two angles here. Uh, one, I, I, the first is about the work itself. Um, I mean, we are lucky we work uh, in games and it's a very uh, creative and playful industry. So I would always think of how you can turn work into play. So that, that is what creates energy and mood. So when we plan, we play by uh, by planning. When we did the RASI uh, exercise, there were some guests and role-playing games. So we play all the things we do. And it's been even emphasized during the remote work because uh, not much is going on uh, at home these days. I mean, it's a very predictable environment. So I would think uh, if, and if you have, there are several people in the team that are very creative and want to play and organize things, to play always. And uh, the second thing is more what is not related to work. Um, we did, uh, so we have a lot of ownership in the team and people just throw ideas of what we could do. So one thing we did was an idea of a designer. Uh, we do uh, MTV Crips. We <laughs> had to show whole our home and it was like some people could join and that was really funny. So it was a way to know each other, like by showing the home. Uh, or we had a five minutes of fame because we realized, oh, we don't know about each other, what we did before. We just started to get in the work. So we did a session about that. So just throwing ideas, you know, of what else you can do and making everything as a game. Uh, that would be my advice in general. Yeah. Do, do, you, do you always have video on what's the, the kind of etiquette for you guys? Um, yes, we do always have uh, videos. That's a requirement. Uh, I mean, like implicit requirement. I think I mentioned it first time. And since then, everybody keeps the videos. Uh, and yeah. So, mm. so uh, here's another question. Do you have a plan to, to returning to the office? I, I guess this is more like fully returning. And will you do it instantly or will there be a, or do you already have a plan of transitioning? Yeah, so for the transition, I can comment about that. It's already happening. So uh, because we can go to the office and it's uh, on a voluntary basis. So I'm testing also the transition with that uh, time where it's a bit blurry, like, okay, should we or should we not go to the office? And I can see who needs to go there. So we are creating the case by going. So for example, this week was the first week where we it was lifted. Um, product people, like uh, with the product manager and designer, we agreed, let's meet at the office to brainstorm about, I don't know, product. And we agreed on a date to be there. Um, and some like developers, they are really happy to stay home and that's fine. If they need to meet, then they will meet. Uh, but for example, artists needed to brainstorm and they met. So that's a good transition uh, point where it's on an ad hoc basis. 
what do we need to discuss and then we go. And going forward, um, I, so to be honest, I never worked remotely like that. So that was a bit of a shock when that happened and anxiety when in March there was the lockdown. But I see actually a lot of benefits of that um, when in non-COVID situation where uh, I asked myself if the way we work, isn't it a legacy of work, uh, you know, and, and uh, it makes me question a lot of, revisit a lot of things we think were necessary and are not. And I would like to uh, actually brainstorm with the team when it's not an obligation to stay home. Mm. How do we want to work? And I'm very flexible and open about it. Just to give an example, before I was considering remote work one day per week, and now I'm leaning more towards three days or even more based on what we need. So having check-in and check-out point are important. And I think it's important to have a sync moments. Mm. Uh, but do they have to be all the time? Maybe not. And I'm actually uh, excited about that because it's better also maybe for the lifestyle. I mean, we know that reality, we always have to do these errands that are very annoying to do on the time that everybody does it. Mm. Uh, so I would like also to have... Um, flexibility of work that is more adapted to the lifestyle of people. Mm. So uh, I hope that also other companies uh, would be open about that because I think it's a reality more than, you know, a, a, a luxury option and the more we accept it. And I think the more opportunities, new opportunities will happen. I like the idea of the virtual coffee, by the way, I have to check that. Mm. Uh, I think there's a lot of things, uh, new businesses maybe that can, you know, grow from that. Hmm. There's a question. Will you be sharing these materials after the webinar? Yes, I will. I will try to put this into YouTube, into Elite Game Developers site and transcripts and uh, also the presentations and the links that were in the presentation. So yes, we'll hopefully get everything up and live still this evening. Uh, then another question. What would you be your advice for a new manager joining the game team remotely? That's a, that's a tricky one. Um, usually it's like you are, you are the first person in the team already mm. and others join. Um, but how I would approach it, because um, I would say as a principle always, the challenge I would say when you are a new manager joining a team existing is already a challenge by itself. Uh, so I would uh, have the same advice that remote or not in that case where it's building the trust. So um, I would start by spending time individually with each of the people in the team, checking the situation, developing that trust. And you can do it actually quite well remotely, having these calls that are work related or non-work related where you spend time to know each other and uh, have a bit of an audit of the situation. Yeah. And by that, you have more clarity of what is needed and, and, and be able to take your next course of actions. Mm, that's good. Uh, uh, then another question here from Jonne. I am really curious about your personal rituals in home for productivity and then the team rituals that you were talking about. Uh, could you talk about more of that? For me, home is so full of distractions and I'd love to keep it peaceful a place of fun and relaxation. I find rituals effective for this duality. Yeah, for like, I can answer also that. I think like uh, going on walks is so good uh, if, if you just remember to do it. So 
try to just add that into the day maybe like go buy some food in the middle of the day is also like from a grocery store or something just to break break the monotony of waking up working and not really like having any kind of like you know what commute usually added was a space where you're not at home and not at work but when that is lacking it's a it's a bit tricky i don't know what you think sophie yeah i i it's a, it's a actually a good question because it's very tempting in the end to stay stuck in front of a computer the whole day passes like <laughs> dark suddenly uh, so rituals are actually very important that for me from experience gave a lot of structure in the day and uh, i can maybe uh, comment more on my personal ones and then also the team ones we have so personal ones i started to the day a bit before everybody uh, as usual but uh, then reading uh doing some yoga uh, workouts just something to wake up the whole body because otherwise you stay cramped and I, that helps a lot by the way so in case some of you are not doing that i strongly advise because you know mind and body are so well connected and by the way as a lead uh, the best thing you can give to the team is your energy. So a good mind, a good energy is really important. So all the rituals that can uh, keep your energy, lift your energy are really important. Mm. Time for yourself, reading. I'm reading about philosophy every morning. <laughs> so yeah. just to, you know, have a broader perspective of the current situation. And uh, cooking is also uh, a good thing. So taking the time for lunch break. So lunch break i know this is also a problem actually when you say to people take a lunch break people don't so right now what we did we made a calendar meeting for lunch break so nothing can be planned and that helped actually for people to take a break nobody chats so much there and you can do other things during that break two hours break mm. and as a team ritual um so what we do, we have a play session every Friday from five to six. And it's kind of an exciting time where we have a very social time and it became uh, organically also a bit of a drinking time where everybody, it's a ritual that happened, opens their first uh, beer or maybe not of a, a week, but at least of a day. And we cheer and we share our cocktails and so on. So it's a ritual we look forward to by the end of the week. Um, and uh, let me think if we have others in the meantime uh, not that I know but uh, I think it's for the team also to own that and uh, throw ideas of how this is drawn based on the needs of people to create that mm, that's good uh, what were the eye-opening learnings about remote work for you that changed your mind about like one day a week to three days a week for your team so i can talk about my fears here more why did i think of one day first so one day was i was already before the whole remote situation i thought one day is already a gift i for the team so it's above the average because the standard is like even some companies don't even um, allow remote work or are open for that. So I thought of being actually a bit advanced <laughs> by uh, giving one day. It's like, okay, you know, we do that, we have. But I thought mm, not more because then we are not trained as a team to do that. Mm. Will we make the most of it? Will we manage it? 
So my fear was more, can we handle more? And do I want to test that as we are forming as a new team? But <laughs> life happens, situation happens, and then in, in the most, most challenging situation uh, rise new opportunities. I discovered that actually we trained quite well as a team, and I have a lot of confidence after uh, these two months in lockdown that the team is very capable you know, and professional how to handle the remote work. So for me, it opened my eyes of these fears were more fears than actually reality. And I don't see any reasons to enforce like being all the time at the office, seeing how we are like doing, you know, uh, the work remotely, because uh, once again, it's based on, um, on trust. Mm. I, by giving trust to people, uh, trusting them that we are professional, then they act professional. That's, I think, the thing. So it was more fear on my end. There was not really uh, real reasons to not do more, to be honest. Mm. But it's, it's about changing, uh, sh shifting the mindset. And I hope over again, organization will have that realization is like nothing bad happened in the end. Mm. So why not? Yeah, exactly. So uh, question here, how will you operate performance reviews and at which times? Yeah, so for that one, I'm actually, uh, I have done few performance review already um, and remote. So um, at what times I, I, I wonder if- Yeah, I guess it's more, more about like, like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, the person can clarify timers of the day or? Yeah, maybe you can just point out like your learnings from doing that remotely. Yes. So I block at least a good amount of time. So one hour. Uh, and no meeting before in general and no meeting after because uh, it's a very important for me this is a very important time for the person um, because first it reflects on the work they've been doing and this is a good moment where to recognize the work of somebody so um, I take a lot of time prepare, preparing before and after and taking notes and even if it wasn't remote, I always have a folder where I have notes about people, the things we discuss in one-on-one -on -one and I follow up with. So I come quite prepared. And um, when I gave these reviews, it, it, I felt I could see at least the uh, light in the face of people because uh, maybe it's something that they don't get actually so much these days because that's not the... Um, accidental conversation you have at office like hey it was a great work you did it's amazing what you did so now they have all in package for one hour and like i i can see the lift of energy so that is um i would say the main difference of how um it happens mm. but it doesn't change much of how it's done i would have wished to spend more time physically and connecting but if the trust is already established it doesn't make a big difference Mm. But I would say just these conversations are really important. So spending the proper time not being disturbed. Uh, uh, sorry for the noise of my sink. Uh, not being disturbed about that. Uh, um, being disturbed about uh, before and after the review is really important. Because it's a full focus time. So no phones, no distraction. Uh, that would be my advice. Mm. And another question here. How do you evaluate the, the progress and whether to continue with an idea when there are multiple ambitious ambitions apart. Uh, 
like starting other prototypes you know you have you know you're going in one direction and then you need to make a decision yes um so um let me read the question again yeah because it's in a sense like i think what the question is about is like how do you evaluate progress on a project uh, now that you're remote yes versus you know starting another prototype or you know these kind of like decisions that you need to make in the projects yeah so that's also what we did actually by testing uh three very wild ideas to also understand about um capabilities of the studio and uh, it's important to set goals um, like that's also what we decided with the game uh, we made and i made it very clear as well what is the goal uh the outcome expected uh from uh these uh, experiments so right. um, for example for the prototype we we didn't know if we would be capable to test all of them so we had to have some metrics or criteria to decide if we should continue or not. And for me, it comes down to three actually. Um, one is um, how do we feel excited about working on that game? Because in mm -hmm. the end, uh, it's uh, we can do a lot of uh, games, but if there's not energy, drive, passion into the game, it, it will be difficult actually, because it's hard. And the second question is about capability. Well, we want to make that game, are we capable? Do we have the skills? Do we have the experience? Do we have the knowledge to make that game? And there were some games we decided to not continue because, uh, for example, it required more technical art. One of them, we we were not confident that we could do it, but we wanted to do it, but we decided to not do it. And the last is, is it one uh, that is aligned with the vision of the studio? So the vision of our studio is very uh, audience uh, focused, so we have a particular audience that we re really believe that we want to serve, and if that's not aligned with that audience, then it's not one we should pursue either. So, in a high level, and that's how we evaluate. And of course, when uh, now we do some test markets, um, there are tangible metrics. So I give a goal of what we expect, but a range of if we can still explore and a time to correct. So. Let's say we don't meet the target, but we are 10%, 15% below. We agreed that we will give a month to correct it. If we don't manage it, then we should really consider seriously, is it worth of our time? Because in the end, the question is, what is worth of our time? Mm. Are we working on the things that will have the biggest impact? And if we are spending six months to move a small needle, maybe it's not the best use of our time. Excellent answer. So. Uh, regarding working hours, have you seen those change? Like, are people working more or less? Or is there like, you know, it first changed, but then it came into a kind of like a normal rhythm? What do you, what do you think? Um, in reality, people worked uh, more. And I am myself as well <laughs> falling <laughs> in that uh, because there's no separation between, you know, like no commute. So, um, so maybe on the team level, um, which is different, uh, I remind about the official time of work and nobody is expected, shouldn't be expected to answer. So I, uh, I try to send a lot of materials to the team to remind them about how to uh, systemize better Slack 
to you know you can do a lot of system notifications off on at which time um, and also uh, yeah create a better system for them to be reminded to not be disturbed when they shouldn't be disturbed but yeah we happen to work more and I think a healthy thing to do is to talk about it mm. uh, it's nobody's fault it's, it's it's just first being aware of that and people once they are aware usually find a way to solve it but uh, I'm here also as a support for them to talk about it and acknowledge it and like yeah okay and that's not what we want and and then throwing back a bit like the, the problem to them to think about how they can solve it yeah that's good uh, another question here which is a really interesting one do you think people can achieve the same level of creative results using online tools now that you're remote I don't have a uh, full clear answer about that one because I'm quite happy of what we have created given the circumstances. So for me, they are quite exceptional. Is it because we were remote or we would have done that anyway, uh, not being remote? Um, I would say the limitation of uh, working online and remote is that the brainstorm part is uh, less accidental. Mm -hmm. So there's uh, less room for lucky accidents or yeah. uh, however you can be creative but i think it doesn't just give create the space for lucky events yeah there's the, the naming is serendipity and how do you create that when you're remote <laughs> yeah yeah i don't i don't know i thought about that i thought about how to uh, emulate that but it's still an open question for me because I mean, you, you don't stumble on randomly on a virtual, maybe with a virtual coffee. <laughs> sure, it could happen. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And just take notes and, you know, put everything down somewhere so it stays. Yeah. Uh, another question, I think we're going to take a, the final one. Uh, what tools do you use for the one-on-ones and how often do you do them now in remote? So uh, how often I'll answer at uh, one first. Um, I established it uh, on a biweekly basis for everybody uh, for now. So that was the way I approach it is more what people need and what I can give a good uh, amount of my time and attention. So for me, it's really important that when I'm there, I'm fully there. So if I do it too regularly and when I'm half there, it's not good. Uh, but if I don't do enough, uh, and people would actually need more, then it's not good. So it's about finding the balance between the two. So now we are nine and I have like uh, eight direct reports and I do with all of them because I, I want to develop a relationship with all of them on a bi-weekly basis. And I give by default 30 minutes. And if needed, we extend it 45 minutes, one hour. So it's quite modular because sometimes people feel anxious about filling in the time. So I prefer to be flexible around that. And um, if uh, people need more, actually I do this survey often with the team. Do they feel they talk enough with me or not? And if I see it's uh, down, then I may increase. Mm. The other thing I can say about one-on-one, -on -one, it's really important that one person has an undivided attention for the people. So right now I have quite senior people who join me and I'm considering of uh, breaking it down where I might have maybe four people that I go really deep in one-on-one, -on -one, but the senior people can have the one-on-one -on -one with others as well. So then everybody 
in the team deserve that undivided attention. It doesn't have to come necessarily from me. Mm. Great. Well, one final question. I think this is very uh, remote work related. Uh, any good final tips on brainstorming and prototyping new concepts in remote? So what we have used as a brainstorm tool, which was not designed for that, but what we do, it's the fun ritual board actually, because you can put like on a digital board um, things. And let me think of how we did for the rest. I think we just jump in a call and it's very organic and improvised and unorganized. So it's, uh, it's like leaving a lot of space. So sometimes you can attend two hours, so it's not the most efficient meeting, but that's fine because then we start to have discussion and discuss. So sharing first what's the situation, what's the feeling, what is the problem? And then we start to say, oh, maybe this and that. So I haven't found any tool that can do that, like specifically for brainstorming, but mm. brainstorm about the brainstorming tools is kind of a bit like trying to brainstorm everywhere is a kind sure. of a mm. way. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's a constant discovery process for sure. Mm. Hey, thanks a lot, Sophie. This was really good, really fun. Yeah, thanks, Joachim. And thanks, everyone, for very good questions. I wish I could answer more, but uh, you, yeah, you can have uh, share my contact. Um, you have my contact also on LinkedIn if you want. Yeah. And I'd be happy to you know, follow up with the questions. Have a great weekend, everybody. Uh, talk to you yeah. soon again. Great bye weekend. Bye. bye. Take care, everybody. Bye. That's it for this week's episode. If you like our content, please do hit subscribe or follow on your podcasting app. And also sign up for our mailing list. You'll get our Friday newsletter, which contains something super interesting for people who are interested in founding games companies. Check it out and sign up on EliteGameDevelopers.com. See you next time. Bye-bye.